The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the twelfth chapter. Now among those who went up to worship at the festival were some Greeks. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, and said to him, Sir, we wish to see Jesus. Philip went and told Andrew. Then Andrew and Philip went and told Jesus. Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies... It bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. Now my soul is troubled, and what should I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it is for this reason that I have come to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven, I have glorified it, and I will glorify it again. The crowd standing there heard it and said that it was thunder. Others said, an angel has spoken to him. Jesus answered, this voice has come for your sake, not for mine. Now is the judgment of this world. Now the ruler of this world will be driven out. And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to myself. He said this to indicate the death, the kind of death he was to die. The Gospel of the Lord. From the time I was six weeks old until I was a little over five, we lived in Columbia, South Carolina, while my father was the pastor of Incarnation Lutheran Church on Divine Street. Now, when you're that age... A lot of your faith is being formed. And so my first memories of church and of Jesus happened at Incarnation. It was there that we learned the LBW, which is a Lutheran book of worship, the old green book. It came out while I was there. And my first memory of church was learning this is the feast in Sunday school class. I remember learning about the first martyr, Stephen, and that he was stoned because someone thought it would be a good idea to ball up paper and throw it at the guy named Stephen. Um, And and I remember the the kindness of of the members and how these folks we called Kaiser Man and Kaiser Lady, and Kaiser Lady always had dentine gum that she would give us every single Sunday. And then there was a lady named Miss Wessinger that brought us to our very first Clemson game. And for that day, I was a Clemson fan. Didn't stick, but I was that day. And so a lot of who I am as a Christian was born there at Incarnation because that was where Jesus lived. Well, so I thought. I mean, it was God's house, and so it made sense that, well, who lives in God's house? Jesus. Because, you know, at the time I lived with my parents, Jesus must have too. But not only that, At Incarnation, until very recently, there was a huge mural that was up behind the altar on the back wall. And it was of Jesus. Blonde-haired, blue-eyed Jesus. Truth is, as an adult, looking back, there's probably a lot more wrong with the mural that's right. I mean, first of all, the name of the church is Incarnation, which is all about God coming down to the world. But the mural had Jesus going up into heaven, which that really didn't make much sense. 
And most of all, though, the model for Jesus was actually the pastor there at the time. Um, now, I've never been accused of being the most humble person in the world, but come on. I mean, oh no, I'll model for Jesus. But at any rate, I thought that that was Jesus. I don't mean I thought that was a picture of Jesus. I thought that that mural was Jesus Christ. And it made sense to, to a three, four, five-year-old, right? Because where do you face when you pray? And even, you know, they had the altar on the wall there. And so even the pastor would turn around and pray to that wall, which is where Jesus was in God's house. And so as far as I knew, you would go to church and you'd see Jesus because there he was. I still think that we go to church to see Jesus, right? You know, and maybe it's in the, the liturgy as we proclaim God's word or, or when we hear scripture read or, or maybe we see Jesus in the hymns or maybe we see Jesus in those friends and, and family. Maybe we see Jesus when we are with Jesus in Holy Communion. We come to church to see Jesus, right? Well, my friends, today is the one-year anniversary. Well, actually, it's tomorrow, but today is the Sunday, one-year anniversary of the first time that in its 142 years, Pisgah Lutheran Church did not have anybody in the pews in a worship service. One year ago. And that's caused some problems. And it wasn't just here, it was throughout the country. Because basically at that point in time, everything was closing down, right? And that's a challenge because I'm not the only one that comes to church to see Jesus, am I? This is where we come. This is where we want to come and experience the presence of God in our midst. We come to church. And for a year, it's been all but impossible. Oh, sure, we, we do have a, a smaller crowd in here now, but for the vast majority of our congregation, it's been a year. A year that, that we've watched online. And, and while we've really upped our streaming game throughout the year, it's still not quite the same, is it? And so we've been missing that presence of God, haven't we? I mean, we come here to see Jesus. But what do you do when you can't come here? You know? It's been tough, hasn't it? It's been tough when a big part of our life, the big part where, where we go on Sunday after Sunday to see the risen Christ and, and you can't go anymore, what do you do? Well, you know, when, when we open back up, what's going to happen too, right? Do we still want to see Jesus? Have we gotten too comfortable? Have we gotten out of the habit? See, in today's gospel reading, it's a very strange reading, by the way. And it starts out because some Greeks say something that, you know, on the surface it looks like a regular question. They come up to Philip and say, Sir, we want to see Jesus. But you got to understand, the fact that the Greeks were asking this was really strange. 
Because first of all, what were the Greeks doing there? They were there for the festival, the festival of Passover. Jesus had come into Jerusalem like a bunch of other great Jews. They, they came there because it was the festival of Passover, and that's what good Jews did. They came to the temple. But Greeks weren't Jews. They had many gods. They didn't have the one true God. So why were they there? And, and even more so, why did they want to see this Jesus? But they did. That's the first strange thing. But, but then it gets even weirder because Philip, after being asked to see Jesus, goes to Andrew, and then the two of them go and find Jesus. And so imagine yourself as Jesus, and somebody says, Hey, these folks want to see you. What are you going to say? Well, all right then. Or you might say no. But here's what Jesus says. He says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Very truly, I tell you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Those who love their life lose it, and those who hate their life for this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. Whoever serves me, the Father will honor. What? What does that have to do with people wanting to come and see Jesus? Can anybody answer that question for me this morning? In case you don't realize out there in internet land, yeah, nobody's answering here either. Uh, you know, so we have these strangers who, who would be the last people to want to see Jesus, come to see Jesus, and instead of saying, oh, that's awesome, Jesus gives an answer that's not really an answer at all, at least not on the surface. You see... What Jesus says is the Jesus that they're going to see. Because up to that point, many times over in John's gospel, Jesus had says, my hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. My hour has not yet come. But here, this is where the entire gospel changes. Because here's where it says, it's now. The hour's upon us. And they want to see Jesus. This is the Jesus that they're going to see. They're not going to see the preaching and teaching Jesus. They're not going to see the water, water to wine Jesus. They're not going to see the healer. They're not going to see the one that casts out demons. No, they're going to see the Jesus that stretches out his arms and dies. That's the Jesus that they're going to see. That's the Jesus that you're going to see. And what's more, if you want to follow me, you've got to go with me there. Because those who love their life lose it and those who, who hate their life save it. You want to see Jesus? That's the Jesus you're going to see. See, and that's tough for the Jews, for the Greeks, and for you and me. Because that's not the Jesus we want to see either, is it? I remember a long time ago, I used to wear a crucifix, you know, every day around my neck. Um, and I was talking to somebody, and, and I'd never met this person, and, and he pointed at, at my, my crucifix, and he says, at my church, we believe Jesus got off that cross. And my response was, yeah, in my church, he had to be on it first. But that's not what we like to think about, is it? 
We like the smile and laugh in Jesus. We like the water to wine Jesus. We like the one that walks on water and the one that's the all cuddly Jesus. We don't like the Jesus that, that not only gives his life for us, but also the one that calls us to do the same. Because that Jesus isn't the pretty cuddly Jesus. That's the bloody, broken, beaten Jesus. That's not the Jesus that says, hey, you know what? Whatever you want to do is just fine. No. This is the Jesus that calls you and me to sacrifice. To be his servant and to sacrifice. Is that the Jesus we want to see? That's the Jesus that you and I are called to follow. One that calls us to sacrifice. Now, this is a season of Lent, and, and people are making all kinds of sacrifices, right? You know, some people are sacrificing chocolate, and some people are sacrificing um, cuss words, and some people are sacrificing social media, some are sacrificing TV. But you know something? I'm pretty sure that's not the kind of sacrifice Jesus is asking for. Jesus is asking for us to sacrifice our time, to give to other people, to give in ministry, to give so that the good news may be spread. Jesus is asking us to sacrifice our money, the money that was given to us by God anyway that actually belongs to God, to give up something that's important to us and give back. Jesus is also calling us to sacrifice our need to be right, our need for ownership, our, our, our need for the world to revolve around us. Jesus is calling us to willingly sacrifice what we consider to be our right and our rights. We are called to sacrifice. That's what it means to follow Jesus. Because we follow a Jesus that died on the cross who gave everything for you and for me, who lost his life. And so when the Greeks ask, we want to see Jesus, that's not what they were expecting. And let's be honest, that's not what we're expecting either. But that's the Jesus we have, one that loves us so much that he gave up everything for you and me. And therefore, in return, we're called to sacrifice as well. See, the truth is, people today still want to see Jesus. And so, when they see you, what kind of Jesus are they going to see? Are they going to see a sacrificial servant? Or are they going to see a domineering dictator? Are they going to see someone who is willing to give all for the sake of the gospel? Or, for some, or are they going to see somebody who has to call all the shots? We want to see Jesus. So do they. And they will see Jesus through you and me. But what Jesus are they going to see? Over the last year, it's been tough. Because we haven't been able to come here to see Jesus. But the truth is, we have seen Jesus all around. We've seen Jesus through the sacrifice of others. We've seen Jesus through our frontline medical workers, through doctors and nurses and all those who work in medical settings. 
We've seen Jesus in the sacrifices that teachers have had to make. We've seen Jesus in, in, in the parents that have been caring for their children at home. We've seen Jesus in those that are forced to work from home. And we've seen Jesus in those who have, who have gone to work and willingly put themselves in harm's way so that the world can keep on turning. We've seen Jesus all around us in the sacrifices that many people have made. We've seen Jesus as we see somebody who hates to wear a mask put it on anyway. We've seen Jesus in the love that has been shown and shared to so many people. And so, my friends, whether we're in here or out there, people want to see Jesus. So again, I ask you, when they see you, what Jesus are they going to see? Amen.